Welcome to Impact virtually, and welcome to our first taste of multi-sider, our first taste of video sermons. It's funny because you can talk about this all the time, and if you've been with us, I've been talking about how we're going to be a multi-site church for nine months. And you can dream about it, and you can cast vision, and you can allude to it, and it doesn't really matter until you do it. The day you do it, I promise there are some of you sitting here right now going, what is this? What kind of scam is he trying to pull? Why is he on a screen? Where is he? Is he back behind there? I'll bet he's not even here. Well, you'll never know if I'm here or not. I could be spying on you right now. Let me tell you the real reason why we are doing multi-site. Because some of you are thinking, if I wanted a multi-site or a visual on-screen pasture, then I would stay home and go to First Baptist Church of the Living Room and Charles Stanley. Well, if you're thinking that, let me encourage you to do one thing. Please get the podcast from last week. The all-in message that I did last week. It talks about why membership is really not about our preferences. It talks about why membership really in today's thought in secular society, like joining, becoming a member of the Y or becoming a member of basically anything has nothing in common with being a member of the body of Christ in the Bible. In fact, those two things are almost mutually exclusive. For instance, to be a member of the body of Christ, it's so much about serving others and their preferences and and making them feel welcome. It's all about them. It's all about God and becoming a member of just about anything else these days today is all about what's in it for me. So please, I encourage you, if this is a little bit odd or a little bit different, then please listen to the podcast from last week and you'll find out why we're doing that. In fact, don't do anything. As soon as the service is over, do not pass go, do not collect $200, go and listen to that podcast so you'll be up to speed. First of all, I'll tell you a couple things to help you out as soon as I get a sip. I don't know what you're thinking about the Red Bull too. Hey, pastor, we're not allowed to have drinks in here. I'm not really here. I'm virtually here, so this is a virtual Red Bull. Okay, you with me? Good. One of the reasons that, uh, one of the things I want you to know is obviously I'm not going anywhere. My family and I are are, are gonna take uh, just this weekend away and rest for the grand opening, but the the whole multi-site approach is that we exist at Impact Church to impact the community, our local body and the culture with the love of Christ. In fact, we never said that we're gonna be a church that just stays in in Weddington. We never said that we're gonna be a church that just stays in Waxhaw. It's not a bait and switch, said all the time. In fact, where, where does that come from? If you brought your Bibles, I hope you did. Turn to Acts chapter one, verse eight. Acts 1, eight. It's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. And this is, Luke writing and talking to Christians and this, when you're saved, here's what you're supposed to do next. Here's what's gonna happen when you become a believer. Some of you thought, well, I thought when I was saved, I'm just saved, that's it. I get a get out of hell free card and I'm done. See you in heaven, God, that kind of thing. No, there's something that happens when you're truly born again and it's, it's sort of a pattern and a flow and steps that are supposed to happen. First of all, you will receive power, it says in verse eight, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's part of being saved. And you will, not you might, not maybe, not I hope, but it says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the other ends of the earth. So there's a, there's a whole deal that says, first of all, you are left here. Two things you can't do in heaven. 
you can't sin, and you can't evangelize. So God left you here to do one of those two things. Which one do you think it is? Time's up. You better guess right. Obviously, he left you here to be a witness. He left you here to tell others about Jesus Christ. So if we want to leave a mark for Jesus on people everywhere, then we can't just stay planted in comfortable lily white Weddington or Waxhaw. So we plan on branching out. We know the best way to do that by leveraging technology today by far is in multi-site. So listen, one of my uh, favorite pastors to listen to is Craig Rochelle on Life Church. And, and this is how some of you are sitting there going, it'll never work. Uh, and I don't know why you're thinking that because some of you were with me in my previous ministry and you know it works because we had a couple of campuses there. And, but listen, Craig Rochelle at Life Church, largest church, evangelical church in the country. Uh, if you didn't know that, almost 40,000 people attend Life Church. But Life Church is not in one location. Life Church is in 13 locations. And in fact, it's not even just in Oklahoma where they're based out of. It's all over the country. And I just found this out. The, the highest attended place or, or campus that they have is not even where Craig Rochelle teaches live. That's like fourth or fifth on the list of 13 campuses. There's three or four campuses that have much greater attendance where the service is always on video. They used to call this, uh, I guess the millennials, they call them the MTV generation, but actually we're even further down the road than that. So if you're under 30 here, you were raised on video. And in fact, uh, if you're at a church where there's more than 300 people, or if you're in a large sanctuary and there's screens, uh, usually on the right or left side, and you see a, a close-up of the speaker, what are you normally looking at? Time's up again, I'll tell you. You're normally not looking at the speaker live. You're looking at the screens where you can see things close up. So it's weird when you look down just a few rows back and you're talking to people and they're not even looking at you. They're looking over at a screen. So it works, gang. There's, there's been enough churches that have done this to know that it works, but more importantly, it reaches and it leverages technology to reach far more people than we could ever reach uh, just building a great big campus and staying in one location. So let's pick up with the last of the all-in message, and this is still on membership. Membership matters. Um, last week we looked at two of our five purposes, so we're going to zoom in on these things, but not so much two of them. We're going to look at the last three, but we looked at two of them last week when we looked at the great commandment. They were to love God and to love others. That's the two purposes we looked at last week, two of our five Gs. This week I want to add to the great commandment. I want to add the great commission found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Turn there in your Bible. Turn there in your Bibles if you would. And let me read it for you. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, you know when Jesus said this? He's already been crucified, he's already risen, and he's already appeared to more than 500 witnesses over more than a month. But now he's gathered at a hill, and there's 500 witnesses gathered around him, and these are his parting words. So these are important words. Everything Jesus says is important, but why do I say these are really important? I want you to think of it this way. What if, what if, virtual, remember. What if you were leaving for war? And what if it was World War II or you're going off to fight Afghanistan or something and you're leaving 
and you're talking to your family, about to get on that plane, these are parting words. Are you gonna talk about trivial things in that conversation? Or are you gonna say to them what matters most? I mean, I'm guessing you're probably gonna say to them that which matters most. That's what that, you want them to know the most. You're gonna tell them that you love them. You're gonna tell them that you'll be thinking about them, praying for them. Everything that you say there is, is vitally important to you. So in moments, Jesus is gonna ascend up into heaven and the last charge he leaves them with is three out of the five purposes. And we just read them. Hopefully you picked them out in there. For us, we use five G's to remember them. Here's the G's we're gonna talk about today. Go, gather, and grow. You wanna make an impact? You want your life to count for eternity? Then determine to not only be a part of God's family and his team, but a functioning, impactful part of it. So let me give you all the G's so you can remember these. It's glorify, go, give, gather, grow. Now let me give you an easier way to remember them. I don't know why we have to make it easier because it's only five words, but just in case that's hard for you, remember this. Look up, look out, look in. That's all you have to remember. Look up, look out, look in. The G's are in that. Here's how you remember that. Look up is, what do you think? You look up, who are you looking up to? God, so look up is glorify, that G. And then look out covers go, which is evangelism, and give, which is not only just giving of our tithes and our offerings, but serving and our talents and our time and our treasures. And then finally, look in is gather and grow. So we're gonna touch on all these, but that's an easy way to remember it. Now, if you got your notes, write this down. First thing is we need to determine to be a look up member. First thing we need to to determine to be a vital functioning unifying member of the body of Christ is to be a look up member. Now remember last week we talked about this mostly so I'm not gonna get into this one real deep. I'm gonna touch on the other two more. Um, But let me just say this. Even though all five G's are important, even though you can't, do just four of them. You can't be just about three of them. It's amazing. Sometimes I hear pastors say, well, we're not really an evangelical church so much. It's not my gift. We're, we're discipleship church. So that's what we focus on. I've heard, I've heard pastors say, well, worship is our thing. That's what we do. It's just kind of worship. And we focus on that. You don't really have an option for that. You're supposed to focus on all of these. These are Jesus's five purposes for us as individual Christians and for us corporately as a church. But even though they're all five important, it's got to start with glorify. It's got to start with that because God has got to be at the center. Not even priority number one, but he's got to be at the center of everything we do. So if it starts there, then you know you're going to fulfill all these purposes equally. Next thing is determined to be a lookout member. Determined to be a lookout member. Now this comes from both the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. A lookout member is one who determines not to let the church be all about their own preferences. And we talked about that a lot last week as well. So this week, um, if you didn't get it last week, listen to the podcast. But it's about not letting the church be about your own comforts. It's about not hopping around from church to church to church to say, I like the music over at this church, but I don't really like that pastor. So I'm going to go over here to have teaching. I'm going to go over here to have music. I'm going to go over here for small group. It's about finding a local body of believers, not a perfect church, but a local body of believers and diving in and giving it everything that you've got should be a no-brainer, gang. This really should, uh, that we are supposed to serve instead of be served. Because look at what Jesus said 
being God about what he came to do. It's found in Matthew 20, 28. He says, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And you know when he said this? Again, it was another vital time, another important time, another time when he had the attention of his audience. His audience was the 12. And what he did is they had just had their first communion. It was in the upper room. It was the night before he was crucified. And he took a basin and a towel and he washed the disciples' feet. And that must have been incredibly shocking for them. Because that's about the lowliest task that anybody could do. And here they're just, just barely coming to grips with who Jesus really is, that he's more than a man, that, he, that he's God. And now he shocks them by saying, I didn't come, even though I'm God, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. So what do you think we ought to get out of that? I mean, if it's, if it's good enough for, for God Almighty to serve, then shouldn't it be good enough for us to serve? Shouldn't we get something out of that illustration? The word servant occurs 57 times in the New Testament. So it's not an accidental, casual theme in the Bible. Sometimes it does refer to a servant or a household slave or something like that, but that's only one or two times. Most of the time, it refers to the role we are to assume as Christ followers. By the way, the word serve, that was servant I just talked about. The word serve occurs 58 times for a combination of 100 and 15 times that serve and servant occur in the New Testament alone. So it's a huge theme. There's really no way to get around it. Serving is important to God. A favorite sport in North Carolina, as far as I'm concerned, is church hopping, church shopping. Pretty sure we'll get it qualified in the Olympics at the rate that we're going. Southerners are, are, are really, really good with this. But I also understand, you know, I say that kind of tongue in cheek and I say that a little bit making fun of some things, but I don't think anybody shops necessarily because they like it. I don't think hopping from church to church to church is something people do because they go, you know what, I just, I just love going to 45 different churches, 52 churches a year, every weekend a different one. Nobody does that because that's fun, that's not. I think they're doing that looking for something. And you and I know what they're looking for. They're looking for a church that meets their needs best, and they're looking for a church that's perfect. But again, we might as well be looking for leprechauns. The perfect church lives in a land filled with leprechauns and the unicorns that they ride. It doesn't exist. In fact, quickest way to feel unfulfilled and sort of bitter about the church and to not get it and to point fingers and to go, why is this not everything God says it's supposed to be, is to look for the perfect church and just keep hopping around. We'll never find joy in church membership as long as we're constantly looking for things to go our way and only our way. Or for what we want and how we want it, when we want it. But oddly, look at this. This is, this is cool in God's economy. It's sort of upside down. We will find our greatest joy when we choose to be last. When we choose to be last. I know it's counterintuitive. I know that it, it's odd and we teach our kids, you know, compete, be first at all costs. Doesn't matter if you have to trample over everybody else, just cross that finish line. You need to be first. You need to put yourself, you need to sell yourself. You need to make sure that you market yourself, all of this. And yet Jesus says the opposite. You want to find joy? You want to find contentment in my economy? Well, then go last because the last will be first. 
All we hear is the first part of that. The first will be last, so we don't want anything. But the last will one day be first in God's kingdom. And some of that will even happen here on earth. So last week I gave you some pledges. Told you there was four or five pledges all together. And I wanted you to just think about them last week. Well, this week I want you to do more than think about them. I want you to make a pledge. Here's the third pledge. I determined to be a look up member. I will not let the church be about my preferences and desires. That is self-serving. I am a member in this church to serve others and to serve Christ. My savior went to the cross for me. I can deal with any inconveniences and matters that aren't my preference or style. So I said that was look up. That's actually look out. And then finally, number three in your notes, write this down. Determined to be a look in member. Determined to be a look in member. Now for obvious reasons, this is the easiest of the purposes. This is the one most churches get. This is the one most of you have been waiting for. What's the obvious reason, Pastor Rob? Well, the obvious reason is this is the one that focuses on me. This is the one that's all about me. This is gather and grow. And when most people are asked what the church is all about, they'll say, well, it's about me learning. It's about me being fed. And when most people leave a church, what do you think is the number one reason they give for leaving a church? I'm not being fed. I'm not being fed. But gang, I hate to burst that bubble, but if you're not being fed and you've been a Christian for five, six, 10, 15, 20 years, then why are you expecting to be spoon-fed? Why are you expecting to be spoon-fed? If you're not being fed, that means you're probably not a self-feeder. By this time, you ought to be learning to feed yourself. You ought to be feasting on God's word and praying and deepening your Christian walk. In fact, if you're not doing that, something's wrong. Now, this last one comes from the Great Commission. I'm going to read it again. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Those were the final words, as I said before, and these are the final of the five purposes, final words of Jesus before he ascended. But we get thrilled with the growing part and we focus on the look in part, sometimes to the exclusion of the look up part and the look out part. But let me tell you, that doesn't even work. It can't work. Listen, how can you grow believers if you don't have first lost people that you've shared the gospel with? Does that make sense? How can you even have disciples to disciple? In fact, when Jesus said, go and make disciples, he didn't say stay and make disciples. Did you, did you catch that? He didn't say stay in your spiritual huddle and keep making yourselves more disciple-ish. It's a word now. He said, go. Well, what's that go all about? Well, gang, that's Acts 1.8 that we talked about earlier. That's evangelism. Go means go out to the lost who don't know Jesus. Tell them about Jesus then Jesus will save them. The Holy Spirit comes aside, forgives them, you know, makes them a son or a daughter of God. And then what? Then you've got a bona fide qualifier for discipleship. Then you've got somebody that you can raise up in discipleship. But if you're not first going, then you can't be growing. Without go, there's no grow. That should be easy to remember. Just made that up. And you will be my witnesses first in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, and even to the utter ends of the earth. So gang, Acts 1.8 is, is not optional. It's a command. And so go isn't a take it or leave it deal. It's a command. You will be my witnesses. So some of you might be thinking, why can't we just, why can't we just worry about discipling ourselves? That's very, very important. 
And I'm more of a teacher type. In fact, all of us are, Pastor. And why can't we just do that? Evangelism scares me. Well, okay, then let's say you do that. Let's say we got two or 300 people and you say, we're gonna disciple them. Well, then who? When all the discipleship is done there, where do you go next? I mean, eventually, at some point, you'll be preaching to the choir week after week after week. And eventually, the family of God stops growing the only healthy way that it's supposed to grow. And what do you think that is? By reshuffling the deck, Pastor. Everybody knows that. By moving people from one church to, no, that's an unhealthy way to grow. The healthiest way for the church to grow, and in fact, it's said more than 19 times in the book of Acts, is that they, it talks about numbers. God was adding to their numbers, showing them favor and adding to their numbers in the first church daily. All right, listen to this. Those who were being saved. So the best way to grow is by new conversion. It's the healthiest way to grow too. If you don't, eventually you get inward focused completely. And when you're inward focused, listen, you are seeker repellent. I, I, this, this baffles my mind, but sometimes I'll, I'll hear people say, well, you don't need to be, I hate those seeker-friendly churches. We don't need to be seeker-friendly. Well, gang, what's the alternative? It's seeker-repellent. And when you hear somebody say that we're, we're seeker-friendly, that just means that we're reaching out and loving those who are lost, which Jesus came to do. Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. It's the only other thing you could be if you're not seeker-friendly is seeker-repellent. God certainly didn't calls to be that. The other thing that happens when we're in we're focused is we become judgmental and eventually spiritually cannibalistic. I'm not even sure that's a word, but it is now. You start sort of feeding on yourselves and that's when a congregation shrinks. That's how a congregation dies. So obviously these things are meant to go together. One more thing, gather, which is baptism. When he said baptizing them, those who you make in disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, that's identifying with the body of Christ through baptism. And when we do that, we are saying, you know, boldly that I've accepted Jesus Christ as my savior. I believe he died and was buried and rose again on the third day. But it's not just that. It's saying to everybody gathered that I belong here now. I don't just believe I belong. It's funny. We're not just called, I said this last week, but we're not just called to believe and yet in American evangelicalism, you don't find this in, in most other countries on earth, but in American evangelicalism, we have this sort of Christianity light where we believe that all we have to do is believe. And in fact, all we have to do is believe for one second. All we have to do is have that moment of belief and we're saved and it's done. And then we can live for the devil the rest of our life, but it's nowhere in scripture. You've heard me say this a lot, but it's so true. Jesus never came looking for fans. He absolutely does not care about building his fan base. He came looking for sold out, complete followers. In fact, uh, if you really wanna uh, see something challenging, look at Luke chapter nine, where there are some would-be followers of, with Jesus. And, and they're saying, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus keeps challenging them to say, well, you can follow me wherever I go, but actually, I don't have anywhere to go. Foxes have holes, birds have nests. I don't even have a home, you still wanna follow me? And he keeps taking all these would-be followers and challenging them and raising the bar. And so again, he doesn't want fans. He wants completely sold out followers who'll give him everything. Five purposes Jesus left us with. Not four, not three, two, or one, five. Sometimes I'll hear pastors say again that, you know, we're, we're really, really good and we really want to make this one purpose or these two purposes that we're skilled at 
We just want to drive them deep and want people to know this the way God meant it. So we don't focus on the other three, otherwise it would be watered down. Again, you don't have a choice, either as individuals or as a church. They all go together. In fact, when a, a pastor said that to me not too long ago, I said this to him. He said, we're more about discipleship. We're not about evangelism. It's more about discipleship for us. So I said to him, really, it sounds like you're mostly about disobedience, which did not go over that well with him. Again, Jesus didn't tell us we could pick and choose his purposes. Well, then how important is grow and gather? Pastor Rob, how important? Vitally. We're told in scripture, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's 2 Peter 3.18. This growth is spiritual growth, growing in faith. And again, in Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, in fact, Though by this time, this is Paul talking, I believe, right into the Hebrew Christians. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Gang, as a, as a baby grows, I mean, this is not something you need to know, but let me say this. As a baby grows, its diet changes to also include solid foods. With this in mind, we see how Paul admonished Christians. If you've been a Christian for six months, if you've been a Christian for just a year, but especially if you've been a Christian for a long time, five, six, seven, eight years, and you haven't grown, that's an oxymoron. Something's gone wrong. If you see somebody that's a junior in high school and they're this tall, the size of a two-year-old, we look at that and we know something's gone wrong there. Same thing spiritually. We're meant to grow. We're meant to go on and not just grow for ourselves, but to be able to teach others. And Paul saw the same problem in the dysfunctional church at Corinth. He said to the Corinthian believers, why haven't you grown in your faith? He said, I'm going to only be able to give you milk because you're not ready for solid food. You ought to be able to handle it, but you can't. So we'll grow at impact and we will gather together regularly and faithfully to worship him corporately and to worship him in smaller groups also because they're the five purposes of Jesus. Most real spiritual deepening and maturing happens, gang, in smaller groups. If you're not in one, here's what I want you to do. And currently we have seven or eight life groups at Impact Church. So if you're not in one, take that communication card that you filled out a little earlier before we have our time of giving back to God, would you indicate on there uh, that you'd like information on a life group? Uh, maybe that's scary to you. Maybe you've never been a part of a life group. A life group's a gathering of maybe 10 to 15 folks in a smaller setting. We usually meet in homes. And I know that that can seem intimidating, but gang, most maturing, most deepening that happens in the church happens in those smaller groups. In fact, we've been talking a lot this morning about Acts chapter two in that first church and that's all they were. They didn't have big buildings to gather in, so they all gathered in smaller groups, and they, they listened to the apostles' teaching in smaller groups. They broke bread together in smaller groups. In fact, they met daily in smaller groups. Can you imagine that, doing this every single day, just because you want to? Well, gang, we are two weeks away from the launch. Are you excited? Let me hear. All right, see, here's what I think just happened. I think you probably did not show much of a response because you think I couldn't hear you. And you go, this is on screen. But I'm on the phone right now in the back with Kendall. I'm very disappointed in your response. So one more time, we launch in two weeks. Are you excited? Are you ready for this? 
good. That's better. Let's pray. Father, this has been a long journey of nine months of building this team and, and, a, and a different journey than anything I ever anticipated. A deepening of this launch team and, and God, a deepening and a <clears throat> coming together and a unifying of brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and Lord, we have no desire, God, and it's not a put down, and you know my heart for other churches. We have no desire to just be another church. We're in the Bible Belt. We're in church country, Father. We, we know I say it so much, and together we know that there's a lot of churches, more than 1,100 churches in Charlotte and the surrounding areas. We, we don't need another church. But Father, we desperately call upon you for a movement from you. God, we pray that you'll anoint this church. We pray that you'll move in the, in the lives of people that we are inviting and in their hearts and that they would want to come, Lord and that they would feel your presence. In fact, we pray that every single week at Impact Church, people would encounter you. If that's all we do, if that's our single purpose and all the other five will happen inside of that, we know it, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for worshiping with us. See you next week.